Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Welcome back to ReChurch. This is Marshall Fant. I've got a guest today that if you listen to our podcast, he's no stranger, Jeremy Sweat. Welcome back. Well, thank you. It is a privilege, and trust we can be a help and encouragement. Oh, you've already been. In fact, for our listeners, we've done two podcasts with Jeremy back in April of 2019. We did one on mentoring men for ministry, and the second one on new life in New England. And you're still in New England, right? So tell our listeners, give us a quick update, your church, your family, where everything stands right now. Yeah, praise the Lord. We we are still uh, laboring here in New England. Uh, November will be five years since our uh, arrival. This it, is like a revitalization project, right? For, it really is. Yeah. yeah, I think it would meet all of the definitions of revitalization. It's it's what I call, and well, I don't shouldn't say I call. Others have called a legacy ministry. So it'll be 61 years old in November. But yeah, when we arrived, it was very much in need of revitalization. Okay, and you've been there five years, and I think from all I hear, God's blessing in a great way. He is, yes. You know, it's it's slow work, but it is, and sometimes uphill. But we are seeing many ways in which God is is blessing and and has, and the future is certainly bright. All right. So, also your background, you were reared in a pastor's home. Yes. From a very traditional independent Baptist church. Yeah. Yeah, and then you went and planted a church in suburban Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And you transitioned that, and now you're in New England. So I give that background because of the topic of today, okay? So here's a topic that has come up, and I asked Jeremy for his comments on it because of his background and because he's planned a church and now revitalizing a church. There's a word, a phrase that I want to get into and study today. It's called an echo chamber. And an echo chamber is where we pastors listen to people that we agree with, and that's about it. So, Jeremy, define, I like the way you defined echo chamber. Would you tell our listeners how you define that? Yeah, well, I I mean, I don't guess I I define it, but, you know, it's a picturesque word. So we, we know what an echo is. The dictionary defines it as an environment in which the same opinions are repeatedly voiced and promoted so that people are not exposed to opposing views. Okay. I don't know how you say it any better than that, and I think that is, you know, that that can be a, not only could an echo chamber be entertaining, but uh, it can also be very attractive, especially for those of us in ministry. All right, so the attractiveness of it, what would that be? Well, the reality of ministry, we are all sinners saved by grace in the body of Christ, but the attractiveness in ministry is that we are very aware and very accustomed to negative feedback. Uh, we have enough of that going on within our own, especially as, as pastors. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not a woe is me statement. That's just ministry in life in the world today. And so, you know, it, there are folks that don't like how we do things or whatever, or we're just trying to help people through crises. Right. And so echo chambers are rarely negative. 
it's just know, reinforcement, I, hearing the yeah. same philosophy, the same people, the same mindset yeah. over and over and over again. Therefore, you – okay, so I just want to make sure our listeners yeah. – that you and I, we're on the same page with Echo Chamber. I just want to make sure that they kind of are where we are on this. So I guess my question would be, describe the advantages of an Echo Chamber. Well, the advantages of an Echo Chamber obviously – are that it is very affirming. Okay. And we, we all like to be affirmed in our positions, even when maybe they are in fact wrong. So it's very affirming. Okay. Um, in that regard. And the flip side is? Yeah. And, and the flip side is, I think that it ultimately, and, and I will admit in my own life, my own ministry now, 27 years in ministry, it can produce lethargic and even lazy ministry. How? Because we don't have to think. Okay. We don't have to ask the hard questions. We don't have to examine what we're doing, let alone why we're doing it. All right. Now, you had a phrase one time. It's a three-word phrase that when we talked about doing the same thing over and over and over. Do you remember those oh, three words? I'm sorry, the, I don't. All right. So you used the words wash, rinse, and repeat. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. What? Yeah. And that, that really is it. Yeah. It, it can produce the lethargic thinking uh, yeah. ministry. Late. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So it's easy to do that, isn't it? It is so easy to do that. All right. Because we can go on cruise control. We yeah. feel good. Okay. Now, what would be your advice when we step outside the echo chamber? It demands yep. certain things of us. Okay. What are some of those demands that we must put in our lives as we step outside and start saying, okay, there are other godly people doing things different ways. So what must we do here? Yeah, that's a great, great question and a great point. And I think, you know, as I've thought about this the last few days, especially again, obviously, you know, we talk about echo chamber. I think we get what it is and, and such, but I always like to say, okay, you know, what, what is scripture? Has scripture addressed this? And I think it has, and the, to me, the most vivid picture is in 1 Kings 12 with Rehoboam. Okay. Because in 1 Kings 12, verse 8, we know the story of Rehoboam. He ascends to the throne, and he's like, okay, what kind of king should I be? And verse 8 says he forsook the counsel of the old men, right. which again, you know, there's one context and one application to, to this verse. Right. But in the verse it says, and he consulted with the young men, now get this, that were grown up with him and which stood before him. And I think in our context, in this conversation, that's very telling. Mm. Okay. You know, the young men that grew up with him, they're all buddies. They all knew each other. They all had experienced life in the same way. And now they were answerable to the king. What more of an echo sure. chamber could there possibly be? No, that's a great illustration. I had not even thought about that. And so the danger is that not only do I have my own points affirmed, even if they are really bad, which, of course, in Rehoboam's case, they were horrific, right. mm -hmm. but then, of course, the impacts potentially on others as a result of that. So it takes a lot of humility to, I think, also to, to step out of the echo chamber because we may have our preconceived notions and even to some degree, maybe even a ministry practice or philosophy challenge. All right. So our commitment must be, I think you put it this way, we must have a tenacious commitment to truth while we're doing yes. this, right? 
So as we're walking our way through, so you're saying we must reject pride. We must come humbly and graciously spirit, right? Yes, definitely. All right. All right so can you think, and again, this is off the cuff. So can you think of a commitment to tradition and not truth that may be exhibited within our circles, like-minded churches today, not having a particular church in mind, a particular pastor. Okay. So let's put that disclaimer out there. All right. You and I have not made a list of pastors or churches, right? We're talking about, no, no, we have not. And we wouldn't do that. All right. But there is a confusion, right? Between tradition and truth. Oh, I definitely think so. I will say I have personally experienced this in my ministry through the years. And this is my fourth I had to count real quick. Fourth full-time ministry okay. in 27 years. I have personally experienced this. And I think that, yes, we have challenges and tradition supplants or shadows, overshadows truth because we've just always done it that way before. You know, there's an old saying, the seven last words of the church is we never did it that way before. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think to, to answer your question pointedly, Something as simple as changing a service time, no longer having a Sunday evening service, which we don't. I did not in Georgia, and just a couple years ago, we discontinued our Sunday evening services here in Connecticut, not because we wanted free time, but because we wanted to redeem the time and repurpose it for outreach into our community. But doing those kinds of things, people are like, wait a minute, what's going on? Right. And that's just nothing more than tradition. There's nowhere in Scripture that tells us what program, curriculum, parachurch ministry, whatever. Sure. Let's park right there a minute. You know, you're a pastor. You and your leadership of the church have responsibility for your church. You know, so there's seasons of ministry where there's nothing wrong with trying something different for a season. And if that works for you, that's good. As I observe churches, I've observed a particular, you know, one church that did away with Sunday night. And now after years later, they're reintroducing it with a purpose. They never had a purpose of what they're doing. So your purpose, not Sunday night, would be to go out and redeem the time in the community. Okay, yes. so I, I think the first thing we all must understand is everything starts with a why. We've got to have a purpose for each program, a purpose for each service. And as we do that, whether you discontinue or reintroduce, or shouldn't say discontinue, replace it with something else or reintroduce it, you must have your finger on your church's pulse of what you need and why you're doing it. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's critical. I think, you know, as a pastor, that is our one of our main callings, roles is, yeah, I have a finger on the pulse. How, what's going to be the best way to minister here to my people right. that God has given me the opportunity to, to shepherd in this community? I explain it this way here in our ministry. The what of ministry will never change. Mm-hmm. The how of ministry has changed for nearly 2,000 years. We don't do ministry like they did it 400 years ago in many respects. Right. <laughs> It's a good thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. But the what? Yeah. The gospel? Discipling? Obviously, that's truth. Yeah, and you know, I love that because I say the what follows the why. The biblical, yeah. yeah. So I agree totally because, I mean, there are differences, and we understand there are seasons of ministry, but we must have the courage to, to venture outside our echo chamber and maybe at least listen to what other ministries are having an effective, not pragmatism, the what and the why staying the same. But they're looking outside the chamber 
and again, it's, I think, what did you call it, legacy ministry? Is that what you yeah. define yours? How do you define legacy, 50-plus? Can we put a number on that, I, just a long-term Yeah, I mean, ministry? I would say— I would say in my experience, a legacy ministry is probably anything over 25 years. All right. Maybe I, I think by anything that over time, one generation, maybe. Yeah. I, I think by that time, whatever that ministry is, it's pretty firmly entrenched in its practices, programs, associations, whatever the case may be, and that those are the hard things to break out of. And leading legacy ministries or or even trying to revitalize a legacy ministry presents its own problems, correct? It does. And I think part of this is it is right and it is biblical that we honor those who have gone before us. I agree. I think Scripture's clear on that. Mm -hmm. But honoring the past and all that my had two predecessors here, but that doesn't necessitate adherence or continuation to those methods. The brother that planted this church in 1959 in West Hartford, Connecticut, 60 years later, right? this area is totally different. Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, New England, Connecticut is where you are. Yeah. And if any area of the country has seen dramatic changes in how many 50, 60 years, I would say right. New England has, right? Oh, yeah, I think so. All right. So you're in Connecticut. So the way you minister in Connecticut is going to be different than the way I minister in South Carolina. Fair statement? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I came from pastoring a church yeah, in Georgia. That's right. Here. Okay. <laughs> what would be one difference, just off the cuff? What would be one key key foundational difference between the context of the two ministries? I think just, how do I put this, family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. We say friendliness, but that makes New Englanders sound cold and harsh, but they really aren't. We say it this way up here in Georgia, the stranger will say hi in the grocery store. Up here, they're not going to initiate, right. but they will respond. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I think that's the difference. In the South, they'll initiate. Up here, they'll respond. Hmm. All right. So now, as you're in context of New England versus Colorado versus California versus the Southeast versus the West, whatever, wherever you want to put this, okay? Yep. We must have some freedoms to operate as pastors of independent local churches to do ministry within your own context, correct? So important. Okay. So with that freedom, sometimes an echo chamber, it almost puts you in chains. uh, That's my phrase, not yours. But it binds you to where there is no freedom. Yeah. And again, whether it's fear of somebody calling us up and saying, hey, I heard that. What are you doing? You know, yeah, it's a real thing. So with that, if we start just thinking outside the box, what's good and what's negative of that? And when I say box, I'm talking our traditional independent Baptist, Mm -hmm. independent Bible, very conservative, traditional, which we still appreciate that. I'm not throwing everything out. So far as our listeners, please understand Jeremy and I are not throwing away the past, right? Absolutely. But how do we get out of the echo chamber to at least see what God is using in other Bible-believing people that are committed to the authority of Scripture, committed to inerrancy of Scripture? How do we have that freedom to at least investigate outside our box? Yeah. You know, honestly, this, to me— this goes back as well to our previous conversation. You know, I, I just turned 51, so I, I'm kind of 
moving on as far as in generational of, of ministry. And I have a wonderful assistant who just had his birthday last week. He turned 27. It's that aspect of rather than questioning a guy because he might be asking a question or considering some new program, facet, aspect of ministry, practice of ministry, encouraging it, having the conversation, which I think just at its heart goes to assuming the best about our brother in Christ rather than assuming the worst. Okay. Well, that's just well because said. there's something yeah. different. Yeah. And so we're committed to the Scriptures, right? So we're not thinking Absolutely. outside the Bible. No. Let me give our listeners a couple of ways I've seen this, where I'm trying to go with this. Okay, so I know of two churches that I have observed. Number one, major metropolitan area. They had to cancel the Sunday night service, had to move it to Sunday afternoon because it was a major event in the city, so they could not get back to the inner city for the Sunday evening service. So they did Sunday school, Sunday morning, lunch, and then came back for afternoon service. And what they found was they had 80% of the people to stay. Again, that's just the results. We don't do it because of that. But what they found out, hey, this is a good thing. So it was an unintended blessing to have to switch things up a little bit. And other churches, well, where people are driving in, let's say like out in the West, where they're driving 20, 30 miles, why not do an afternoon service versus an evening service? Right. Okay, so this is the kind of thing Jeremy and I are talking about. Is that fair to say it that way? Yes, it is. And I think understanding, you know, even as we just finished up a, a few days of some special meetings here, I grew up in the in the era, and my context, my experience was, you know, major church, Christian school, so on and so forth. So when you had a week of special meetings, I mean, we controlled the schedule. So you didn't have homework, and you didn't have ball yeah. practice, and so yeah. on. And so people could free up. Well, that's not how it is anymore, mm-hmm. promote. And so, again, just having the consideration of our families and our churches what is their life like today, not what was it like 25, 30 years ago. Right. And it's a matter of where you minister. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm experiencing this ministry in metro Atlanta Yeah. versus ministry in Connecticut. It's just commute times and life scheduling. It, it's very different. I do remember a quick story about your dad, if I can share it, who uh, I think he had a, a young guy on staff who made a popped off a comment in a staff meeting that the businessmen were not getting to Wednesday night service on time. And your dad said, okay, next Wednesday, I want you to leave home at 630, drive into the inner city, stay there all day. You cannot leave the inner city until five o'clock or 5.15, whatever your dad said. And then I want you here at 7 o'clock with a good attitude, or 6.30, whatever it was. <laughs> right. And the young man came back to your dad totally humbled because he didn't understand the context. Right. And I, and I will forget that story. So context determines a lot. Well, again, not the Bible. We're not moving on the Bible. But the what or the why, we understand that, but it may look different. Okay. Echo chamber. I got sidetracked. Sorry about that. How would you warn a young man? What warnings would you give him if he starts? He says, you know, this is right. I've only been listening to people that do ministry exactly like I do. Hmm. What would you warn them of? Yeah. So I think a key component in this is 
yes, alternative voices, additional voices can be incredibly helpful. Okay. But first of all, discernment. Discernment comes from just being in the Word. Oh, no, wait a minute. You're 51. You've been in ministry how many years? 27. Okay. So if you're talking to a 28-year-old taking his first church, it's kind of the audience, the 31-year-old. Okay, so go ahead. I I interrupted you. Please continue. Yeah, no. Developing discernment so that everything gets filtered through, first of all, is it scriptural? Okay. You know, is this biblical? Then, but also, now is this best? in my ministry. Not is it the cool thing, not is it the newest thing, but for my ministry, given the people that I'm staring at every Sunday morning and are staring back at me, is it best for them? Because I'm the under-shepherd trying to feed these sheep. I don't want to give them indigestion. So the discernment that says it might be helpful and it might be good for us 18 months from now, but not right now. Okay, so, so how would a young man, because, you know, uh, so many, you go, you hear a conference, you hear a podcast, you watch a webinar, and wow, this is the greatest bet. Yeah. I got to do this, okay, because we all have people we follow. Why didn't I do this? All right, so it's a great phrase. So is it best for my ministry? And I would even say from what you just follow, is it best for my ministry and is now the right time? Absolutely. All right, so if a young man or any of us are answering those two questions, are there certain voices, Jeremy, that you would go to within your church to filter that before you took it to the congregation? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, you, you ought to have relationships with your people strong enough and multi-generational. All right. Say that again. Huge. So the, you're, so really, your counselors within the church on something like this, multi-generational. Definitely. I've got a fella in my church. He's now in his mid-80s. All right. He was here at the second service of this ministry and participated in the music ministry here just until very, very recently, since the second service. Wow. He's got history. He, you know, he, he knows this ministry. And I will also say about him, he has been one of my greatest encouragers. Because you've sought him out. Yeah. And I've made some pretty significant changes. You know, I mean, I quit wearing ties like three years ago, <laughs> and we've made significant changes to, to some of the things, you know, no Sunday night services and, and some things. He has been a great encourager. All right, so multi-generational counselors, what else? Yeah. Then also just other men, peers in ministry, and peers not necessarily chronological peers, okay, but, but ministry peers, you know, other men that you go to whatever conference you may attend and seek out those guys, those guys who are senior pastors who maybe got 20, 25, 30 years on you okay. and be able to pick up the phone, which I've got a whole list of those guys. Quite frankly, you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that can be dangerous. Go ahead. <laughs> but that just bounce it off of them because they've been through some things. They've made some changes and have bear the scars, you know, that, it wasn't necessarily a wrong thing, but it was the wrong time or the wrong way to go about it. And that can be incredibly helpful. So you got multi-generational counselors within your church, and you have peers outside your church, pastors who may be of different ages that you would seek counsel from. Any other thoughts on that as far as where are you going to get your input? Obviously from the scriptures. And again, everything we're talking about is within the box of, of biblical, okay? Yes. 
understanding history and realizing, I've said, I use this phrase around here a lot, that ministry in the 21st century is going to look different than anything any of us have ever seen. I don't know exactly what that means. We're learning. We certainly have learned in the last six months. Right. Um, Have we ever learned? (laughs) It just is understanding that. But understanding the history of the Church, going back to Acts, but also I think understanding the history of the American Church and the American Church in the location, the geography of where you are ministering is very informative and very helpful as you make, you know, decisions. If you're in a neighborhood that is incredibly progressive, technologically, socially, whatever, that may inform how you make decisions and ministry mm-hmm. decisions. Sure. If, if you're in a very staid, conservative, traditional community, yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you got to understand. I'm here to minister to the community, not shock them. Yeah, you've got to know your Jerusalem, and if you don't, you got to know where you are, you know who you are, and you got to get that next step of what you're willing to do. All right, so we got about two minutes here to wrap this up. So let me ask you this: We're venturing outside our echo chamber. The blessings of the echo chamber, I think you mentioned, because we do get beat up. So within the echo chamber, we do find solace. We find what was the other word you used there? Very Uh, affirming. Affirming. That was the word. Thank you. But there is a time we must analyze our ministry against Scripture, and then again, really, what is effective to reach people for Christ and then to bring them to Christ's likeness. Is that fair to say it that way? Yeah, I, w- okay. I would say it that way. All right. Anything else you want to add to that? Now, I know we could do another whole thing on ministry in the 21st century. It's going to look different. Who knew COVID was coming? Who knew we'd be doing sure. ministry by Internet for sure. time and months we did? All right, anything else you want to conclude here with? Because these are great remarks, and I trust not only our younger men will listen to this, but also our older our older pastors will listen and, and maybe yeah. some take heed to this, that younger men do want their input, but they also kind of got to understand the culture too, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think if I could kind of sum it all up and encourage both sides or both parts of the spectrum yeah. is – As you get out of the echo chamber, which I would encourage you to do, we've been widely read for many decades, but we don't widely converse. Mm, And so as we begin to maybe more widely converse, don't be reactionary. Don't be reactionary as a young guy chasing the newest idea, fad, program, whatever. Don't be reactionary as an older pastor, more seasoned pastor, questioning, condemning the new practices, the new ideas, the new schedule, the new program, whatever. Don't be reactionary. Good statement, yeah. All right, to sum it up, echo chamber, affirming, but we need to get out of it to really understand where we are. Do not react. Again, I love what you said, multi-generational counselors. And is it biblical? But the main thing, other thing I loved what you said, is it best for my ministry now, or I think those are great questions to ask. Now, Jeremy, let me ask you this. Could you give out your email address? Some of our listeners may want to email you and follow up with some questions. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'd love okay. to interact any way I can. It's just sure. simply Pastor Sweat, and that is S-W-E-A-T-T, two T's at the end, at gmail.com. All right, Jeremy Sweat, Farmington Avenue, Baptist Church, Connecticut, so appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate all the wisdom here. And obviously, Jeremy has thought this through a lot. So for the sake of our listeners, especially our young men who say, oh, i got to change something now, okay? 
call Jeremy. Talk to him about it. You can call me or email me, mfant at gfamissions.org. I want to thank GFA for sponsoring this podcast and all the work they put into that and great contributors like Jeremy. So, Jeremy, thank you, and we'll be praying for your ministry, okay? You're very welcome. God bless you, Marshall. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.